Welcome those of you online and those of you live here in the room. Lisa and I are wrapping up our vacation this week, and we have another special guest speaker with us today. And her name is Barb Maurice. And what Barb is going to do is come out and wrap up our Dangerous Prayer series with a message I think every single one of us needs to hear. I got to know Barb through our denomination, and actually she and I are a part of a group that we meet together every single month just to get together as pastors, to hold each other accountable, and just share the ups and the downs of ministry together. So we usually are enjoying a nice breakfast uh, together. But Barb has a very special thing that happened in her life recently, and that is she retired. And so I said, Barb, no, 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 no. We're not just going to let you sit around and do nothing. Barb, we're actually going to have you come out and speak and wrap up this series. So can we give Barb a great big exponential welcome as she comes out here today? Welcome, Barb. Well, good morning, church. Um, it's a privilege for me to be here. And yes, I have retired. I try to clarify to people, I have retired from the pulpit, not from ministry. We never retire from what God has called us to do. It's that simple. Since I've retired, and Gilbert didn't mention it, but I'm gonna, I have become a great grandma. And that, I know, God is just good. And you feel like you should have done something to deserve that, but you don't. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we are going to open your word today and see what you have for us. And so, Lord, as we look into your word, may your Holy Spirit just speak to each one of us as we need to be spoken to, and only you know that need. And so we come here today to gather together as your church and be in your word to be able to strengthen and glorify you as we go out and minister. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm told there's a link that you can go to. I'm about as uh, technical as a dead fish, so hopefully you'll find it. Uh, we're talking about dangerous prayers, and I've chosen some scripture from the Old Testament because the situations that are there are really, I found, very interesting. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is from Exodus 16, verses 6 and 7. If you have your Bibles, and I imagine most of you have them on your phone, although I've made that transition a little, I, I still like this. <laughs> this is what I like. 6 and 7. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it is the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? God heard their prayers even though they complained. One of the dangerous things about prayer is if we complain, it is not what God wants to hear from us. However, as you can see from Scripture, he still answers prayer. Now, if you read that whole story, and you should, you know that he not only answered it, he answered it abundantly. Now, he set him up, said, here's manna. It's going to expire in such and such a day, so you can't be greedy. Not that any of us would ever be greedy with food. I have been to smorgasbords, guilty as charged. And then you sit there and you go, oh, I just shouldn't have ate that much. And the next time you go, guess what you do? Same thing. So for him to be able to say to the Israelites, I'm going to provide for you what you need. But he gave them a mountain of quail, and they stuffed themselves. Out of their complaining, God was generous, 
but also corrected them a bit. And he does that for us. When he loves us, he chastens us. He corrects us. He wants our prayers to glorify him. And he wants the attitudes of our hearts to be such that that glorifies him as well. And so their attitude was not a good one. They were complainers. I'm sure you've never met a complainer. I mean, I have friends and acquaintances on Facebook, and I always just want to do thumper for them. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all, because all they do is complain. It doesn't matter how blessed they are in this life. It doesn't matter what they own. They only seem to be able to complain. And then they wonder, why doesn't God hear my prayers? Well, he does hear them. He hears them, trust me. But he's not as responsive to complaining prayers as he is to those that are grateful. I have a section here in Psalm. I love the Psalms. I pray the Psalms. And later here, I'm going to show you how that can be done and how it's effective. But this is from Psalm 106, and it's verses 14 and 15. And it reads, In the wilderness, their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. And so he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a plague with it. When I read this, again, read the whole text, but when that jumped out at me and I went, really? He sent a plague too? So I had to go back and read the rest of it. Again, it's an attitude of the heart, and they were ungrateful. And yet they expected God to be at their beck and call. That's what they expected. And way too many of us, I know I've been there, you know, God, I'm a pretty faithful servant. You really ought to do this for me. Yeah, we would never say that out loud, but we kind of pray it sometimes. You know, it's, it's our humanness, I guess. But we have to learn to pray for what God is after, not what we're after. And that's a tough transition. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle. At least it is for me um, to always keep my prayers focused on what God's desires are and not my own, it gets a little tough. But he sent him a plague. And I'm thinking, have I ever asked God for something? And he gave it to me and stuff I didn't want. You know, I didn't want that to happen. Um, there was a, I shouldn't probably tell this story, but I'm going to. There was... <laughs> There was a person that I had constant contact with that loved to undermine everything I was doing. And so I started to ask God to take this person out of my life. And that's why I said, please just take them, take them elsewhere. Take them away. And they died. And I never quite got over that. Um, I'm very careful now about the words that I choose when I ask the Lord to help me learn to work with someone. Our prayers can be dangerous without us even thinking about the fact that they could be answered in a very unexpected and way, an uncomfortable way. Um, he sent a plague. That's not the God that I know. Um, that's the Old Testament God we go, you know, we're New Testament church, we don't need an Old Testament God. Well, it's the same God, 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he wanted the people to understand what they were praying for, how they were praying for it. The attitude of the heart matters. Because in the end, he's God. It's that simple. Now, I'm going to move into a little bit more encouraging venue here. Um, we live in the dispensation of grace. That means that the time that we live in now, God is gracious to us. He is merciful to us. He puts up with a lot. <laughs> he puts up with a lot. I am convinced that part of that is because of the prayers of his people. You know, I, I pray frequently, even so, come Lord Jesus. And then I catch myself. But you know, this person and this person and this person, they don't know you yet. So if you could just hold off till they get to know you, you know, but even so, come Lord Jesus. I mean, it's a, it's a mixture of feeling and emotion and desire. I desire that the Lord would come, you know, but. And so I've been known to go boldly before him because he says come boldly for people who don't know him, for their salvation. And it's obvious in my one person's life that he's not using me, so I'm praying now that he uses someone else. You know, I don't have to be the person that introduces a person to the Lord. I can plant the seeds and turn them over to God. Let him bring people. When we pray for those that are lost and we don't seem to be having a response, the best thing we can do is ask the Lord to have them meet somebody else. So I pray that every time this person turns around, they trip over a Christian. You know, I mean, I know that sounds silly, but seriously, there's more than just me out there. There's more than just you out there. Why not? Why not ask the Lord to just bring them across this person's path so that that person might come to know the Lord? Is that a dangerous prayer? It is for them. It is for them. Because as we know from experience, the Lord changes us. He changes our life. He changes our attitudes. They don't know that yet. Out of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. The older I get, the less alert my mind can be sometimes. Um, an alert mind when you pray. Do we think about that? My mind is very alert when I was working, very alert, because you can't, I, wor I worked out in the world many, many years. I am a second career pastor, um, and so the jobs that I did, you had to be alert. You had to know what you were doing because the workplace isn't always as forgiving as the church. I put it that way. <laughs> So you have to be alert. It says, pray with an alert mind. Think about what it is that you're actually praying for. And the question really is, do my prayers glorify God? Do my prayers glorify God? I'm going to guess not always. In fact, I'm pretty sure, not always. And a thankful heart. There's the catch, and a thankful heart. My father died of Parkinson's, and he suffered with it. Um, I belonged to a group of people. There were about eh, 
15, 20 of us that met every other Friday night. She called it a share group. We got into the word. We prayed for one another. We knew each other's, you know, we knew when each other's kids had snotty noses. That's how well we knew each other. You know, I struggled with my dad and seeing him become more and more weak. This is my dad. He's always been strong. He's always been full of life. He had the most warped sense of humor of any human being that I've ever met. And he passed it on, praise the Lord. So I mentioned that my prayers for him had changed and I asked the Lord to be merciful. And I got jumped on by a fellow Christian like you could not believe. That's such a lack of faith. That's what she said. You're essentially asking God to take him. And I'm, I'm just kind of like stunned. So when she finally finished, I said, I think you misunderstood. I asked the Lord to be merciful. I don't know the bounds of his mercy. I don't know if he'll be merciful and heal him. That's what I'd like. How selfish can I be? My father knew the Lord. I can be pretty selfish <laughs> when it comes to daddy, right? Or will God's mercy be that he just doesn't let him suffer long? Because I've talked to people that have suffered with Parkinson's for 20 and 25 years, and I didn't want that for him. This is my dad. And that was what I explained to her. And she didn't quite know what to say. We sometimes like to put God into a box. We put these parameters on him. When I'm praying for your mercy, Lord, I mean what I mean, not what you might mean. Right? When I'm praying for your gifts, Father, I mean what I mean, not what you might mean. And those are dangerous, dangerous prayers. It tells us over and over in his word to be thankful. It was hard for me to be thankful for my father having Parkinson's. And I had to learn that it's not for it, it's through it. Can I be thankful to God as I watch him deteriorate? Can I be thankful to God as I see my mom suffer through this? They were married over 50 years. Can I be thankful to God when my child decides they don't want to take the life path I have for them? Because we know we all do that. I used to work with some students from India, and their parents chose their mates. I'm going, good idea. I have girls. I would love to pick out their husbands for them. They didn't obviously comply. Um, <laughs> but what the girl said to me when I said, how do you do this? This is so foreign to me. She said, well, I've trusted my parents all my life. Why wouldn't I trust them for this? I tried using that line with my girls. Didn't go over. But I prayed. I prayed for my children every day. And sometimes the prayer was just, God, help me understand. God, keep them safe. They were never fancy prayers. I'm not eloquent. When I, I'm a Pennsylvania farm girl. Eloquence is beyond me. I can do it, but it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. And I talk to God the same way. You know why? Because he says he's my friend. That's what he says. And my friends who love me, they excuse when the grammar's not all what ought to be. My friends who love me excuse it when I don't express myself exactly the way I meant. And so does my God. So does my God. The grace, the mercy, the love, 
that Christ has for us, we don't understand it. And so we should devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I want to stick on the first word, devote. Devoting yourself to something. What are we devoted to? I'm devoted to my kids. I'm devoted to my grandkids. And now I'm devoted to this little whooper that's come into our lives. You know, it's easy to be devoted to them, their family. I like to believe that I'm devoted to the Lord. In fact, I do believe that because I've chosen things in my life that don't make sense to other people because of my devotion to the Lord. When I pray about it, here's the thing. <laughs> when we seriously pray about something, God may give us what we don't expect, and that can be dangerous. When my daughter was 17, 16, 16, I sent her to work camp. Well, I didn't send her, she begged to go, and I thought, yeah, get her out of the house for two weeks. She went to a place where 11 people lived in three rooms. Now, we lived in a mobile home, and she hated it. She didn't tell her friends because, well, they were all, you know, they had more. So she goes to this work camp. <laughs> the first day there, they go to have their lunch, and the lunches are gone. The kids that lived in the house had eaten their lunches. Now, they're building this house for them. They said, she said they took the window out, and the wall slanted. You know, so they had to put the window back in, a window back in real quick. She came home, and early in the morning, in the middle of the night, I find her sitting down on my bed. First, she scared me, because <laughs> what are you doing there at that age, right? You're sick, go to the bathroom. But anyway, she says, you know, Mom, I think God's calling me to the mission field. And I said, well, that's something that we're really going to have to pray about. It could be. And as she's walking away, my brain went, you know, I gave her to you, God, but I didn't expect you to take her, right? The mission field, she could be anywhere. She could be in danger. This is my child. Are you kidding me? You know, and, and your mind works very, very quickly. And then I had to sort of <laughs> repent of that and just ask God to, to guide her, even if I didn't like the idea. And trust me, I didn't like the idea of my child being beyond where I see her and know her. Not thinking about the fact that when they grow up, they do that anyway, right? <laughs> so they, they move out. That's what they do, if, if we're lucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, was, it took some prayer for me to pray. And I had always prayed, use my children, Lord. Use me use them. See, those are dangerous prayers because when God decides to use you, it might be completely out of your comfort zone. You're looking at a person who took the only F she ever got in school because she would not get up and make a speech, refused to be in front of people to talk. When God called me, I argued with him for a long time. Well, I, you know, God, I can't. I've got kids. I'm raising kids. I can't, right? And then fortunately or unfortunately, my father got sick. You know, God, I can't. My father's sick. Does this sound like a story you know anywhere? <laughs> I have to go and bury my father. I can't follow you. And finally, when God took all those barriers from me, I'd never heard God's audible voice, but I knew it. Um, he knows if he ever speaks audibly to me, I'll have a heart attack. So it's that. Um, <laughs> 
But I heard him say, so now what's your excuse? And I had none. So at the ripe old age of 54, I started the seminary. See, it's never too late for God to use us. It's never too late. Now, can he use you other than in pastorate? Absolutely. He's got ministry for all of us to do. I was doing ministry. I was a bus director, bus ministry director for 14 years, knocking on doors, asking people to put their kids on a bus. We can't do that now. They think you're perverted. But back in those days, you could, right? You could follow a kid and then talk to the parents. And we were bringing in 90 kids on three buses at one point. And mentally handicapped adults. It was amazing how God blessed it. And all it took was 20 of us saying, yes, we'll do this, and getting up and taking that bus out of there at 8 o'clock in the morning and bringing it back at 1 when everybody was done with their lunch. We were coming in, you know, to deliver these children because that's what God had called me to do. And I knew it, and so I did it. And it was not uncomfortable for me because I don't mind talking to strangers. If I minded talking to strangers, I wouldn't be here. You know, so it's, <laughs> I've never minded that. So devote yourselves. But he's not telling you just to devote yourselves to him. He's saying devote yourselves to prayer. Now, I've read and I've been told that we don't pray a lot, a couple of minutes a day. We don't pray a lot in church. <laughs> I had a pastor one time. The kids in the youth group, they timed him. He prayed for 22 minutes, and he only preached for 20. They timed him. Why does he pray like that? Thank God he did. I didn't appreciate that a lot until I got older. Pray. Be devoted. I was very fortunate that I had a pastor that helped to disciple me that believed fervently in prayer, that it was the key to your life. I want to read to you from Psalm 37. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. You know, when I was a new Christian, I was expecting that Corvette with the dents in the side, the old one. <laughs> no one had taught me what that verse meant. You know, when you find these things, it's like heaping hot coals on your enemies' heads when you pray for them. That's not what I was thinking. Go get them, God. That's not what it means. It means you bless them. This means that as you pray, as we come to walk with Jesus, as he becomes more and more real to us, the desires of our hearts will become his desires. He will give us those desires. We will care that people are lost and dying because he cares. We will pray for the sick because he does. You know, we will pray for the lost, and we will do what we can to be more and more like Jesus to a lost and dying world. We will love that person that we don't normally like, you know. Um, when I first got to Progress Church of God. The first Sunday I pulled into the parking lot. Now, I'm a Pennsylvania farm girl, okay? I don't know how God got me into the city, but he did. It's, it's here in, in Harrisburg. I pull into the parking lot, and across the alley is a man that has dreads down to his waist, and he is whacking at a tree with a machete, and he's covered with tattoos, and all I could think was, God, what? <laughs> 
Should I get out of my van? Oh, it should be all right. He's across the alley and I can still run a little. Um, you know, <laughs> things like that go through your mind. This is not a person who I would socialize with just based on the way he looks. And aren't we like that? We're a little cautious based on the way they look. So fast forward, I don't know, six months, and I have one of the young adults with me, and I look over, and he's got a puppy in the yard. And I said to her, let's go over and talk to him. He's got a puppy. And she just looked at me. I'm sure her mind did the same thing mine did. Are you kidding me? So we went over, and we sat and talked to him. We had a great time. I found out his name. He's a tattoo artist. And he says to me, Pastor, if you ever need help moving furniture, just give me a call. I'll come over and help. Now he never set foot in my church. I asked him repeatedly. But had I not been willing to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and go and talk to him, you know, I might be the only Jesus he'll ever see. And I talked to him about the Lord, because I do that. I'm sure you do too. If nothing else, what he's done for me. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I tell you, I, I don't know if it's something that comes with, with um, maturity, and I don't mean just age-wise, but generally that, but don't we learn that Christ is everything? I have. Christ is everything. He's my hope. He's my future. He's my present. See, I live in his kingdom now. It's not something that'll come. And so my prayers should be dangerous. I should be bold. I should be fearless. Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he loves me. He loves me. He knows the number of hair on my head. For some of us, that's easier than others. But he still knows. He knows what I'm thinking. See, I can't get away with doing one thing and thinking another, because he knows. And he loves me anyway. He loves me anyway. Boggles the mind. And so I have learned to ask the question, do my prayers glorify God? Are they focused on him, or are they focused on Aunt Mary's rheumatism? Do I give God the glory when I pray, or am I distracted by the things of this world? One of the best books that I ever received as a new Christian was written by Elmer Towns, and it was called Praying the Psalms. And it's something that I just love to do. I love to pray the Word of God. And I want to read for you, or pray for you, <laughs> I should say. And this isn't on the slides, but this woke me up in the middle of the night a few weeks ago, and I'd already turned in the, the page. This is Psalm 51. Now, I, what I love about David is he knew how to be alone with God. We don't really like the quiet. We don't really like to be alone. But David did. I mean, when he was a shepherd, he really had no choice, right? It's not like everybody was dropping in to see him. He's out there in the middle of nowhere with his sheep. He learned to follow God's heart. He learned what God's heart was. And so if we take a psalm like Psalm 51 and we pray it, it might sound something like this. Father, you see, David knew God as his father. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Not because I'm worthy, 
not because I'm a preacher, not because I do this, or I feed the homeless, I, not because of that. I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, not because of that. I'm a missionary, not because of that. Because of your unfailing love. Have mercy on me because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. God's compassion is what sent Christ to the cross for us so that our sins could be blotted out. David knew this. Wash me clean from my guilt, Father. Purify me from sin, Lord, for I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Do you hear the prayer? Isn't that our prayer? I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you, Father, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. We don't think of ourselves as evil. We don't like to think of ourselves as evil. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we're no longer considered evil. God doesn't see us as evil. Praise God, right? I mean, that alone should make you happy. Should put a smile on your face and a, and a joy in your heart that nobody can explain, you can't explain to people. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Father, I was born a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Do we think about the fact that God's teaching these unborn children wisdom? Even there? Imagine praying this, Father, purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy. And he goes on, and this will be familiar to you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Is that not an awesome prayer? Can we pray that? See how it glorifies God. It doesn't lift up David. It lifts up God and what he can do and what he's capable of. These are dangerous prayers because they'll change our lives. And we're from South Central Pennsylvania, folks. We don't like change. And this will change our lives. And isn't that what we want it to do? Or is it? God is so good to us. And we need to acknowledge that it's him that's good to us. We should be good to other people because of it. Amen? Do we understand how we pray is important? We must have the right attitude when we pray. It can't be motivated by selfishness. 
It can't be motivated by trying to get even with people. You know, I don't believe any of us would do that, but you just never know. You want to have dangerous prayers? Pray for people's salvation. Pray for God to renew a right spirit in us so that he might give us the desires of our heart. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, thank you for loving us. Father, we are so grateful for the work of the cross. We are so grateful for the way that your Holy Spirit teaches us and grows us and changes us and makes us more like you because that's what we want to be. We want to be Jesus to those around us, and we can only do that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the transforming power that came to us through that cross. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us each day. Teach us each day how to love you more and make us grateful for all that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.